are listening to Cover Stories, a deep dive into the stories behind iconic album art with Adam Charlie O. The Doors, and Jim Morrison in particular, were having some problems when they entered Electra Sound Recorders on November 4, 1969. The band was trying to resuscitate their career. Morrison was negotiating with the FBI's L.A. office on an outstanding charges in Miami, and he agreed to turn himself in to the Miami authorities on November 9, where he was arrested and released on bail. A trial was set for the following year. Meanwhile, there was an album to complete. It had no name, and oh yeah, it needed a cover, too. The band chose rock photographer Henry Diltz to do the cover art. Ray Manzarek, organ player for the band, and his wife were cruising through the seedy sections of downtown L.A. looking for funky locations for a potential photo shoot a few days before the shoot. They spotted a hotel that charged $2.50 per night for its transient clientele. It was located at 1246 South Hope Street, Los Angeles. It was not the kind of place that turned down your bed and left chocolate mints on your pillow. The hotel was, however, fortuitously named the Morrison Hotel. Mr. and Mrs. Manzarek thought it would be perfect for the shoot. Manzarek recommended it to the band, and he was right. It was perfect. Diltz scouted out the location in advance. Then Diltz, art director Gary Burden, and the four band members showed up at the hotel several days later on December 17, 1969, for the shoot. Diltz knew the shot he wanted, with the band in the hotel window, but the front desk clerk said they could not take the photographs without the landlord's permission, and because the landlord was not around, it didn't look like they would get the shot that Diltz wanted. So the band took some photos outside the hotel while they were trying to figure out how to take a picture with the Morrison Hotel sign in the front window. They shot photos of the band sitting on a bench in the hotel entrance alcove. They shot photos standing outside the hotel. Then the gods intervened and they saw the desk clerk leave his desk and get in the elevator. Diltz, to his credit, must have had the shot well framed in his mind. Not knowing how much time they might have, he told the group to run into the hotel and take their positions looking out the front window under the Morrison Hotel sign. They only had a moment to get the shot before the clerk returned to his desk. Diltz probably told each band member where to sit and how to pose. There would be no time for fine-tuning poses, especially with Diltz outside and the doors inside. So it's likely that Burden was inside arranging the band, while outside Diltz managed to shoot a roll of film in five minutes. It's unknown whether someone adjusted the Venetian blinds height or not. Other shots of the hotel show it in a lower position. Diltz started at the window and then moved back across the street where he used a telephoto lens. Then they left as quickly as they assembled, and the desk clerk never knew the photo shoot had taken place. The final shot is one of the most perfect form and function rock shots ever. It was the perfectly composed album cover. The universe randomly handed the band the perfect album name 
with the very cool font already chosen. The cover even had the lead singer's name built into the shot. Guitarist Robbie Krieger described it like this. It was a flop house charging $250 for rooms, which was dirt cheap even back then. When we went down there with the photographer Henry Diltz to shoot the cover, the desk clerk wouldn't let us take any photos in the lobby. We resigned ourselves to posing outside on the sidewalk, but when the desk clerk left his post, Henry told us to run inside and pose by the window, and he quickly knocked out a few shots before the clerk came back. We had our album cover. The casual pose on the cover belied the circumstances of the shot. If you did not grow up with the doors, that would be from left to right, Ray Manzarek, piano and organ, Robbie Krieger, guitar, Jim Morrison, vocals, and John Densmore, drums. Afterward, because they were rock stars, everyone went for a drink. The guys hopped into the van and searched for a bar where they could celebrate the moment. And then they found one on the southwest corner of East 5th Street and Wall Street, about eight blocks from the Morrison Hotel. It was a dive bar called the Hard Rock Cafe. Diltz shot more pictures there as the band drank their beers. This included the shot that ended up as the album's back cover. A shot that incidentally would make the name of this dive bar legendary. The gatefold photo was also taken at the Hard Rock Cafe. These shots are available on the internet and are worth the easy search. Start with Bob Egan's Pop Spots. The hotel has been closed for years. The Hard Rock Cafe is now a brother's market. It looks like it might be a convenience store. Henry Diltz never forgot the Morrison Hotel. He was a founder of the Morrison Hotel Gallery at 124 Prince Street in Soho, New York City, which has been done up to look like the album cover. Side one of the album was titled Hard Rock Cafe, while side two was called Morrison Hotel, preserving both locations in perpetuity. Sometime after the album was released, Peter Morton and Isaac Tigret, two young Americans in London, contacted the Doors and asked if they could use the name of the dive bar for a restaurant they were planning to open. Let's let Diltz take it from there. He said, I guess though sometime the next year after the album came out, with that picture in the back, they got a call from England, and this guy says, Hello, would you mind if we use that name on the back of your album? We're starting a cafe over here in London, and we would like to use that name. And they said, no, go ahead. And that was the beginning of it. Now, every time I go into a hard rock cafe, whatever city I'm in, I always feel like I should get a free hamburger. And so the name of a long defunct dive bar lives on as a high-end hamburger chain whose walls feature pricey rock and roll memorabilia. The first hard rock cafe opened in June 1971 at 150 Old Park Lane, Hyde Park, London, years before they started displaying rock and roll memorabilia. Photo shoot was 563 days before Morrison's death. 
The album was released 509 days before he died. For the numerology fans out there, the negative side of 563 is you may find yourself stuck in old patterns and limiting beliefs that prevent you from moving forward. It's important to trust in the universe and be open to change. The negative side of 509 leads to the need to be at the center of the stage. Soon enough, Morrison would become a member of the 27 Club, one of the most elusive and remarkably tragic coincidences in rock and roll history. Let's hit the pause button and chat a bit. Finish this line for me. Woke up this morning. Got myself a beer. That's right. Thus begins <laughs> the beginning of Morrison Hotel. That's right. Uh, it goes without saying that, you know, every subsequent album in The Doors, relatively brief, all things considered, but fruitful career, brought with it increasingly challenging circumstances. Is that an understatement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was careening toward a major crash. And, yeah, and he and, certainly And it was crashed. picking up time. Picking up speed just around the time of this album. Yeah, so he's facing obscenity charges, right? The, yeah. the famous pulling his penis out on stage yeah. Yeah. incident. And an album is on the cooker. We're having to do a lot of stuff all at once. right? It sort of reminds me of the Stones always facing legal troubles. Uh, pretty much, you know, at the time that they're making any album. Yeah, yeah. But was this entire tr- entire process put on the fast track? Or was it just a matter of, we're the doors, we have a lot on our plate, no matter what's going on? Yeah, I think it's probably more the latter. I think it's the, where the doors are going to be problems. If you've got the doors, you're going to have problems. And I think, you know, I don't think there was any fast track. I don't think the doors were capable of fast tracking anything. I That's think probably they, a good they point. They were just, you know, they worked the way they work. Although they did work quicker than a lot of other bands. Sure seem uh, to. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think this was fast track. Okay. Um, you know, um, you know, uh, Jim's going to be in jail soon. We better finish this. I don't think that was any part of the process. No, you probably could have said that at any point over yeah. four or five <laughs> years. But yeah. as a as a huge Doors fan, as a preteen, you know, in middle school, they were shockingly one of my favorite bands, which was a little out of pocket for someone at the time, I guess. But this this era, you know, certainly that incident just added to the the legend of the Lizard King. But there's a real darkness surrounding the band at this time. Like you had said, they were careening. This doesn't necessarily sound it, but there was a lot um, in the lead up to this album that kind of foretold the end of the group. So I think it's a particularly interesting one to be talking about. And in talking about it, we're also meeting our good buddies Henry Diltz and Gary Burden again, right? Back again. So recently profiled on our Crosby, Stills, Nash episode, pause and go listen to that first if you have (laughs) not yet. I'm sure you have, the thousands of you, but it seems like aimlessly driving around is Diltz's favorite method for finding an album cover? What's the deal? It seems so, and they've got a a, a little DVD they made about how they made album covers, and that's exactly what they're doing in the DVD, is just driving around talking about their (laughs) album covers. So I think they spent a lot of time in the cars looking for uh, interesting places, interesting sights. Well, growing up with a dad who liked to, quote-unquote, go cruising, cruising you know, yeah. that's that's where yeah. a lot of my best thoughts still come. <laughs> I don't have many of those, but that's, right. that's where they come. Yeah. So I do I do think that's uh, an interesting anecdote. And this time, though, it was Ray Manzarek, right? yeah. him yeah. driving around. Yeah, he was driving around and being a, a member of the band and seeing a hotel called the Morrison Hotel. 
uh, that was a no-brainer. Okay, so stop there because I, I was today years old, or you know, when <laughs> I was preparing this, when I learned the hotel was actually called the Morrison Hotel. That's right. I yeah. never would have thought that that was the case. <laughs> I shamefully had never checked that story. Assumed it was kind of a chicken and the egg. Yeah, I thought it was a prop. Yeah, oh, for I, sure. That's all the album. Well, in fact, I I assumed that wasn't even a real place. That there was no Morrison Hotel, and whatever that place was 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 not. Yeah, you know, was nothing more than it's a, a set. stage set. Yes, yeah. a stage set. <laughs> Far more organic than that, which I think is really yeah. cool. And the story is really great. So, all that said, it's wild that you know I had mistakenly said the owner. But the the landlord of this particular establishment at the time, right, wouldn't concede to a band with the star power of the Doors for a photo shoot. What's well, that, that that's not exactly it. it okay, it, that guy was not present. Yes, the okay. guy working there uh, that worked for the landlord or the owner basically said, "You're going to have to get his permission to do this." Okay, and so he was nowhere around, so that wasn't going to happen in that day, and that's the day that. Uh, Diltz and Burden were there and to take the picture. So yeah, so yeah, so they uh, waited around outside taking pictures. You can find some of those on the internet too that they took outside in the alcove and all that sort of thing. And when they saw the guy head into the elevator, uh, he told everybody, "Hurry up, get in there, and let's let's get this picture <laughs> taken." Now we have, you know, I hesitate to call him a lowly desk clerk. A job is a job, but. Do we assume that he didn't know or just didn't care that this was the Doors? The star power of the Doors at the time was huge. I'd have to assume, right? What do you What do you remember yeah. about their well, well, status? Yeah, yeah, they were pretty big. They yeah. were big until uh, you know, till Florida, and then uh, society turned against them with a vengeance. Uh, that doesn't mean that they weren't still big with their fans, but they weren't so big with the venues where they played and did their concerts and and the people who sold their records you know that they, they were turning against them some but sure sure they they were big uh, uh but were they big enough to get a guy to risk his job i'm not sure you know, yeah that, that he, makes sense he, he might be thinking boy this is the doors this is the guy that was in florida you know and this is the guy that wanted indecent exposure charge and if my boss sees them on on an album cover and knows they were here you know, it's going to be my ass. So that's true. He may, he may have been protecting himself. So that that's true. And you alluded to it. You know, just the process of all right. He's he's out the door. Let's let's rush in there. Let's take these photos. Yeah. The fact that this was a guerrilla shoot, yeah. so to speak, just adds to the absolute legend of this one because it's perfectly oh, framed. It is. It's, it's perfectly framed. Absolutely it's iconic. Absolutely. I mean, the from the. Literally just the composition. I'm not a photographer. I, I can't speak in those terms. But, you know, we talk at length about Crosby, Stills, Nash. The order of the guys is mixed up, you know. But here it's just, it's absolutely nailed on its, I don't know how many shots he yeah. needed to take, but he nailed it. Um, I think Burden arranged them in the room just slightly. You sit here, you sit here. And then... Uh, Diltz was outside, and he was on the sidewalk, took a shot, backed up, backed up. Uh, Burden came out and said, go across the street, take the shot. That's what they did, and nailed it. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting to me, there's a lot of different things you can read into every album cover, but in this one, we have it's titled Morrison Hotel. That's the home of Jim Morrison. Let's say it's his brain, and <laughs> you're looking at him, and he looks completely detached and despondent. I think the album's fantastic, but it just really speaks to where Jim was at the time. Yeah, he was very alone in that 
photo. Very alone, you know, yeah. alone amongst your yeah. brothers, yeah. you know, which was very uh, intense to see. But so it's done in this frenzied rush. I can't think of any other occasion of this happening. Do, are there any other stories that jump to mind? It's just incredible to me. No, no, I don't, I don't get any. Um, I don't know this. this no, I, I don't. I, I, I get none that, that uh, could rival this for, you know, hurry up. Let's get in here and get this picture and get out. I'm sure they're there. We just haven't found them yet. Yeah, we'll get there, though. That's I assure right. you. We'll hunt them down. So you're telling me the massive corporate juggernaut that is Hard Rock Cafe also somehow got its start from this album's gatefold. And. Um, well, not the gatefold. Well, the, 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 the back rear. cover. The yes, back cover, the back yeah. Cover, sorry. The back cover has a picture of people hanging out outside, and you can see the name of the place on it. Yeah, and that's absolutely how it happened. Two, yeah. Amer- two Americans in, in in England called and said, can we use this? And, and I don't know that they had the right to give it away, but they said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and it's so funny. they did, yeah. So I'm guessing that original dive bar wasn't the same sort of establishment that the uh, memorabilia-loaded theme restaurant became, right? That, that, <laughs> Definitely The not. humble now, origins now of when that. You, when you open up the gatefold, you get a good shot of what the bar looked like. And it was a, it was a dive bar. You know, it was a dive neighborhood bar and a... In a, a slummy part of town. Yeah, it's yeah. equally seedy to you yeah. know the establishment uh, Morrison Hotel in the front, which you could probably rent by the hour, I'm guessing, from the looks of it. But this general area that you're talking about, was there much known about this? You know, certainly not the doors. This would have been relatively new area for them, right? Well, it was by the Morrison Hotel. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the Morrison Hotel was a chance find, and then when they found that, they said, "Let's go get a beer." There's got to be a bar somewhere that, around yeah, here, right? Bar, yeah, and, and they found one a couple blocks away. Stopped in, had a couple of beers. Again, on, on the internet, some neat pictures of some of the patrons of the bar that, that started to glom onto it once they saw the pictures taken. They they got into the, get a picture of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Sort of a, a more organic uh, exile on Main Street, right? Ex- yeah. Exile in the Hard Rock. Yeah, more approachable. Well, yeah, far more approachable. So you dropped some really interesting numerology knowledge <laughs> in your tale. Uh, some of what really lost me, but it's really cool to dive into that. But the real number I'm interested in here is sadly 27. Yeah. yeah so I wasn't there for it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit. It was. Well, do you know who the first member of the 27 Club was? Was it Brian Jones? No, it was Robert Johnson. Black oh, that's right, the Crossroads. Yeah, 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 the guy who sold the soul to the devil. Wow, I didn't realize in he was 1938, he was hitting on, a, a, I think, a bartender's wife or something, and the guy gave him a, a bottle of whiskey, and he died of strychnine poisoning. They can't prove that it was in that bottle of whiskey, but that was the, the story behind him. So let that, let that be a lesson to you. Wow. So... You know, but yeah, yeah. I, for a while, uh, you know, there wasn't any twenty-seven club when Brian Jones died. That was, uh, a, you know, an invention of about the nineties. I, I did a little bit of looking that up, and it seems that Amy Winehouse was the one yes. that really uh, kicked it into high gear. When Amy Winehouse died at twenty-seven, uh, the twenty-seven club became a big thing, and then that's when the the posters and all that sort of thing started to show up. And, well, interestingly enough, and you bring that up, that's certainly the most recent, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, famous that. number. For me, my experience was always Kurt Cobain. I mean, that yeah. was that was the big one, obviously, of my, yeah. you know, of my formative years, especially with yeah. regards to rock and roll. But, you know, 
It's a calendar year. Within a, cal- within a calendar year, it's Hendricks, Joplin, and then Morrison. Do you recall yeah, the darkness yeah. around oh, yeah, yeah, this that, that era? Was a, yeah, yeah, that was a, a, a bad, nothing to do with the 27 Club, but just, sure. you know, you're thinking, what the hell's going on? And it was drugs. You know, that yeah. was our answer. You know, Mama Cass was the ham sandwich, but mm-hmm. everybody else was, uh, you know, drugs and uh, didn't slow anybody down. Yeah. Uh, you know, that stuff that happens to other people. Yeah. It doesn't happen to me. But, and it certainly didn't... But that's probably why there were three of them in a row, because that's yeah. stuff that happens to other people. That's true. And it, it, it really happened um, in quick succession, which made it really seem accelerated and, you know, emblematic of the time. But let's talk tunes. Okay. Because The Doors, to me, have always been a greatest hits type band yeah yeah their albums i can't think of an album that sticks out in my head as this was a a great album you know they had some good songs but but if you take the best songs from each of their albums you got yourself a hell of a oh it's incredible compilation of greatest hits for sure for sure and this one to imagine you know the the stress that it was completed under it's pretty incredible i mean you have roadhouse blues is there any cooler and i mean they they never suffered when it came to first song on the album. You yeah, know? but this no. one's incredible. No, and they did the blues well. They did, yeah. And I think there's a good bit more of that blues R and B backbone that you don't get in some of their more hippy dippy, uh, you know, keyboard laced experiments. Yeah. 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 Um, what are what are your moments on here? What are your top your top songs? Well, it's Roadhouse Blues. That one, that one uh, alone was the keeper for this album. You know, I think uh, I just heard it on series the other day oh that's it's one that's still still making around so yeah and and i can't go much further than that uh you know this was not one of their better albums as far as i'm concerned but i was never a big doors fan either yeah yeah the doors were another group okay that makes sense yeah they're you know sort of a a tertiary concern when you're a stones obsessive yeah yeah when they came out with something you really like say that's good i want to hear that again but you know they were they would be more of a 45 than a yeah, LP for me. Well, it's interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about album covers and logos, etc. But Peace Frog, which is probably my favorite song yeah. on this album, really cool rhythm to it, just fun. Actually, launched a wildly successful merchandising company later on. You know, the company used the name from the the Peace Frog, and yeah. the rest is history. They yeah, made so this album money. spurred a lot of. Uh, Spin-off businesses. Man, it sure did. Hard Rock and Peace Frog. Morrison would have been a wealthy man had he stuck around, but alas, he had to break on through to the other side. And poor Mr. Diltz can't get a free hamburger anywhere. (laughs) No, and if you need to watch that DVD, uh, the aforementioned DVD that my dad mentioned, he's probably the only person uh, in the United (laughs) States that has it, so uh, just reach out to the podcast. We'll be uh, happy to copy that for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, until next time. Take care now. See ya.